I'll go with the challenge. Um, I usually operate with a with a headset mic or a handheld because I wander. I thought, why not? This has got good. We'll see how I go. Uh, let me get my technology up and happening. So I appreciate the the opportunity to share with you. Um, when Chris asked uh, me to come, he said, we're doing a series in uh, Ephesians. It'll be good to have a break. Uh, you can choose your own uh, topic. And the topic uh, that I've chosen or, or the, is titled Never Satisfied? Question mark. The question mark is really important. Um, and we're going to uh, share uh, out of uh, a passage in Ephesians that I'll read to you in just a moment. Um, let me pray once again. Um, Lord, I'm conscious that <clears throat> when you taught, you, you spoke about a parable of the sower. And at the end of that, there was an amazing difference between in the harvest, the effect. But the only thing that was different in each of those cases was the condition of the soil. So today, this morning, we pray that the soil of our hearts would be rich and deep and fertile so that any seed of truth you plant there today will actually have an effect that will produce a harvest that will bring glory and honour to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the way I came about this was uh, once... Uh, many years ago, I was asked to speak at a friend's church. He was the associate pastor. I'd been doing some mentoring as he was going through college. Uh, and he said, it'd be great to have you. And we had one of those things where we kept making up kind of dates and it fell apart. <clears throat> in the end, we settled on a date that was right in the middle of a series on, on Philippians they were doing. And he said, so Pete, it'd be great to have you come and speak, but... We'll, can we set the passage? And I said, sure, because as a guest speaker, your two big options are, here's the passage we want you to speak on, or it's up to you. Um, and I thought, oh, yeah, it's good, good discipline to be given a passage of scripture and preacher. Uh, what normally doesn't happen, they don't usually give me the sermon title of the message that I'm about to preach. And he did. He said, look, it's this passage, and I think Never Satisfied would be a really good sermon title. Now, if we bring up the next slide, or if you follow this in your uh, Bible, this is what Paul writes in Philippians. He says, not that I have already obtained this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining forward to what is, what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So as I read that passage, I get where he, he's picked up uh, this thing about I forget what's behind, I'm straining onwards and I've, I've put other things out of the way and I'm focused and, I, and his summary was never satisfied would be a great title for a sermon. Now, 
That creates a problem for me. See, I think the Apostle Paul was quite a driven person by personality, to tell you the truth. I think he was a driven person when he was a Pharisee persecuting the church. I think he was a pretty driven person as he went from place to place. The thing is, I'm not. I'm about the least competitive person I know. Uh, And I'm an only child and I was always overweight, so I was never good at sport. So there was no no enjoyment being the last person in every race and things like that. Um, So I just learnt not to compete. And I I go, that's pretty good. That that works for me. I'm a fairly relaxed person. I'm not a driven person in most things. So if we bring up the next slide. So as a driven, uh, as a, a fairly relaxed person, not a driven person by nature... I'm talked about this striving forward, which I see, and it's there, and it's in Scripture. But in the same book, by the same author, Paul, he writes these words. Um, I know what it is to be in need. This is in, in the next chapter in verse 12. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So the problem I have is, well, Paul, are you unsatisfied or are you content? Make up your mind. Are you this driven, I'm putting everything behind me, I'm striving forward type person or are you the person that says, you know what, doesn't matter what happens, I have learnt the secret of being content. And I find these two images of Paul, and is one wrong and one right? I don't think so. I think when I look at Paul's life, I think that drivenness, that, that drive that we see expressed is kind of his nature. And when he says, I have learned the secret of being content, I think that was a really hard lesson for Paul. Because I think by nature he was always on the, on the lookout for what this next thing that needed to happen. So let's just stop there just for a moment. Could you say that? Doesn't matter whether the circumstances... I have learnt the secret of being content. It's easier to say than do. Now, now some of you know that in the last fortnight, my wife suffered a stroke, uh, went in uh, in for uh, life-saving surgery, and now she's amazingly well, and and there's no um, obvious signs of that stroke, but it was very confronting. And it's in those situations that we've got to be able to say, well, have I, can I find my peace in God? Can I get to that point? And I think it is a secret, and I think it's a learned part for all of us. So if it, that was my challenge recently, but what about COVID? Have you learned the secret of being content? I was ready to quit ministry when COVID first hit. We were doing Zoom calls, and I'm not technical. We were doing Zoom this and and recording that, and I'm a fairly relational person, and I'd come in on a Saturday to one person on the sound desk and preach a sermon, 
And I thought, th and then I had all this admin work to do. I thought, technical and admin, this is a glimpse of hell for me. And I really was, I was ready to quit. I thought, I'm designed for a different era of ministry. And, and it was quite depressing. Now, I'm going, God, thank you for COVID. We have seen so many blessings amongst the hardships, and the hardships are still there. And if you were in our church, you'd not only be socially distanced, you'd be masked, which is horrible. It's really easy to get people to come up on stage, because on stage you can take your mask off. So people volunteer for the announcements and to pray for someone and a Bible reading just to get a decent breath of air. Uh, we, we've canned um, morning tea. You can't eat with a mask and all this. So there's difficulties, but the opportunities I'm hearing, God is in the midst of this. So there's a challenge. I've learnt the secret of being successful. Anyway, so which is it for Paul and how do we hold these things for ourselves? Because I don't want you, and I think it's inappropriate, to say, OK, we'll pick up chapter 4 and learn the contentment of being, uh, the, the secret of being content, and we'll just ignore that encouragement to be focused and driven and, and put stuff behind us that's going to get in the way. We don't get to choose one part of Scripture and ignore another. But can you see the tension it rises? Am I meant to be this content person or am I meant to be this driven person? Well, I'm going to share with you how I see this. I'm not saying it. It just helped me come to grips with it. I'll show you. Can we bring up the next slide? <clears throat> so <clears throat> this is that's a picture of me. I'm the one at the back, by the way. Um, when I was 14, I took up scuba diving. Now, that, that's many, many years ago. I uh, hadn't finished school. You know, I took up scuba diving and I loved it. And all right from the, the very beginning, back more than 40 years ago now, um, to dive the barrier reef was like Mecca. That was like the, as good as you could get. And I'd always dreamed about diving the barrier reef and I had never done it. And, I, and scuba diving is quite an expensive sport and you need people to do it. And I was living away from the coast. And so I hadn't dived in 20 years. And about six or seven years ago, we went to Cairns on a holiday. And I thought, you've got to do it. You've got to pay the money. You've got to go and dive the barrier reef. And I did. Now, that was like a 40 or 45-year-old dream that came through. I hadn't dived in 20 years, which really freaked out the dive master on the boat when he found out. I said, I told you. And I did three dives on the barrier reef. I saw turtles. I saw sharks. I, and the amazing thing, and I haven't dived since. I didn't swear off it, but have you got some of those things where you, you go, you know, I could die a happy man in that area. Uh, if I never dive again, to finish, <clears throat> to finish my, my diving career or my diving experience, diving the barrier reef in amazing visibility with amazing fish and colours, that's a good way to finish. Can you understand how I can be content with that? So that's one kind of satisfaction. Let's flip to the next slide. I love steak. I also like a good leg of lamb 
and kangaroo is right up there too. I don't know if you've ever tried well cooked care. But, but a steak, and I love a steak, and a, and a medium rare steak is, is what I shoot for. Uh, you know, uh, they're not always great, but hog's breath, kind of, you know, 18 hours, slow cooked. And that's about as good as a meal gets for me. And when I am absolutely full, probably fuller than I should be, I am satisfied. But when I eat a steak, I don't react in the same way as I do to diving. I don't go, boy, I've had a good steak, I, I, I might not eat again. I, or I'll never eat another steak again. There's something about, yes, I'm satisfied, and yet I'm going, wow, I hope that happens again. I, I could really go another great steak. You know, and so there's this, this sense of it was wonderful, it was fantastic, and it's left me yearning for more. And see, I think that's the heart of what Paul is saying here. Not that he's dissatisfied, not that he's not... This striving forward is not personality-driven. It's not a, a way to kind of earn God's favour or I've got to keep working, God's done something for me and I owe it to him kind of mentality. I think Paul says, I have tasted the goodness of God better than any steak. I have tasted the goodness of God and I want more. And I'm not going to settle for less because I know it's available for me. And, and that's how it makes sense uh, for me. So it causes us to ask a few questions. We'll throw that next slide up. And... and one is that what is it that Paul hasn't yet attained and what is it that Paul's saying he's going to leave behind? So you, you might also know that the title of the sermon has changed at this point, rather than from never satisfied, which has a connotation of unhappy and dissatisfaction with insatiable, this yearning this, uh, that, that's driven by pleasure and, and joy. And I think Paul has an insatiable hunger for the goodness of God. And he's tasted it, and he's tasted it deeply, and he knows he hasn't yet plumbed the depths of the goodness and the love of God. And he says, I, I am determined to plumb those depths. Not that he'd ever get there, but I am going to go for this. In, in the verses we read... Um, the right chapter. Not that I've already obtained all this or have been made perfect. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. I don't consider that I've yet got it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining forward, I press on to the, go to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I think he's captured that God has taken him he's taken us for a purpose uh, one of those purposes to live a full and abundant life that's not payment for what we do that's why we were created not for our own pleasure alone but certainly for our pleasure and our joy in Christ and I think he says 
I haven't yet got to the bottom of this. And every time I dig in, it gets better and better and better. And he becomes determined in that. So I think that's what he hasn't yet obtained. Each time he has my equivalent of a good steak, he goes, I know there's another one out there. There's one a bit thicker, a bit juicier and cooked better, just waiting for me. And I'm going to keep pursuing that goal. <clears throat> so what did he leave behind? I suggested that I think that Paul is, uh, was a driven kind of personality by nature. And if we went a little bit earlier in uh, chapter 3, um, we would come in from about verse 7, uh, sorry, no, in verse, where are we? 4. He says, I don't have a... He's, he's talking, we shouldn't put confidence in our flesh. And he says, but if I was to put confidence in my flesh, I've probably got a, a better case than most people. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Gen Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as in zeal persecuting the church for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Anyone want to top that? Any of you faultless? I'm not. I don't think any of us are. But Paul said it. Then he says this. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the to passing uh, greatness of knowing Christ my Lord. We've got a driven person. Left to his own devices, he was a driven Pharisee. He was a driven persecutor of the church. All He had all his boxes ticked. He was the right heritage. He'd been brought upright. He was a, a Hebrew. Uh, he was also a Roman citizen, by the way. Uh, he, he had credentials above credentials in everything that people were putting effort in to win God's love and approval and acceptance, and he discovered none of it worked. That was a big revelation for Paul. Because he was ahead of the pack. If anyone was going to, to heaven via works, it would have been Paul. And he discovered that that's not the way. Rather than this drivenness and this relentless trudge of working for God, he discovered that amazing acceptance. Can't earn God's love can't lose God's love because it's been done in Christ. I alluded to that a little bit uh, earlier on. So Paul not only says, I had this incredible track record, I've given it up. Do you notice he uses the word, not in every version, but in, in the version I read, it says, all those things I count as a loss... Had a, a friend who was quite chuffed, he was a Pentecostal pastor who was chuckling one time, he said, our youth pastor ran a fundraiser and managed to break even. He thought that was hilarious. All the effort and they covered the costs of running the fundraiser. 
And he, he so that's not a loss, that's break even. I'd hate to think what that past poor youth pastor would have done if he'd made a loss on his fundraiser with my mate as his senior pastor. And yet that's the image. Paul is not saying, all the effort I put in to earn God's favour was pointless. He's not saying that. He's saying more than that. He said, pointless is like breaking even. He says, all the effort I put in is detrimental. It is loss. It is damaging. It is negative. It's not just a waste of time. It's actually damaging to me and to others that I model that for. And I really wish that I could say in my observation, not just of this region, but right across the state, that the church had learnt that lesson. Because I see so many people who accept eternal life by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ, not because of works. They're fine with how they get it. And then they live their life as if they had to pay back God or that he was impressed with our effort or that I grew up in a church. And you know what I learnt from that church? And it wasn't a dysfunctional church, it was a normal Baptist church. I learned the, the image that I got was that God loves me, but he doesn't like me. It's kind of like your kids. You love them, but sometimes you don't like them. And then I discovered that that's a lie. Because what scripture tells us, and Paul in, in Romans says that we have been made the righteousness of Christ. We're not earning our own righteousness. Sanctification and getting in the habits of good living, that's a different thing. But we have been made the righteousness of Christ. So when Christ looks at you, he sees the righteous... Sorry, when God looks at you, the Father looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his Son. When he checks your scorecard, it's Jesus' results, which is not great in the HSC, but it's fantastic news. That changes us, doesn't it? That we are totally, if we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we have been made the righteousness of Christ. His bank account has been transferred into our name. Uh, in Ephesians, you probably know this if you've been studying it. It talks about that you're full heirs with Christ. The mystery, you know, we were once dead, but now we're alive. All this amazing truth. Many, many Christians are still, they would read those words that we read earlier. I press on. I push forward. I leave behind those things that get in the way. And they would hear the message, and I think from Satan, not from God. Try harder. I think try harder is a message from the enemy. Paul never prayed for his people to try a bit harder, to toughen up, to read more, to pray more. All of those things are good, by the way. 
when he prayed for the people, he said, I just, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened to see how wide and how deep and how great is the love of God. That changes our life. Not effort. Not striving. Last slide. Some questions to ponder. What draws you forward? Have you tasted the goodness of God? Because when you taste deeply the goodness of God, it becomes addictive in, a, in the most wonderful way. What are you single-minded about? And what are you willing to give up to obtain that? Some people, to take that deeper step, you might have to give up a few more minutes of sleep to dig into your quiet time. Or you might, if you're having a quiet time, you might take an extra few minutes to listen to God rather than just talk at him. Which many people's prayer lives are me talking at God rather than him speaking to me. I discovered, I said earlier, I am not um, what's the word? competitive. But I've realised I am protective. And this uncompetitive person once heard that only 30% of Christian ministers finish well. And something rose up in me. I said, I'm going to be part of that 30. And I don't know any other part of my life where I've said, I'm going to beat seven out of ten people. That is foreign to me. But I'm determined for me to say, God, I want everything you have planned for me so I can be everything you planned me to be. And when I look at that, I will go, let me be insatiable. Let me be driven. But for the best reason. Let me pray. Lord, these are, are truths that religion uh, strips away from us. Tells us that we need to please you by our human effort. We didn't get saved that way. And we don't live our lives that way according to your plan. So I pray once again, open our eyes to see your goodness and your love. To rest in that without drivenness. And having tasted you, may our appetite be insatiable.